Hey, you guys, I'm really excited for this episode. I've got Angelica and Rachel here from Soulful Veda, and we are going to get into a lot of fun stuff, including Reiki and your doshas and Ayurveda and all that kind of stuff. I'm super pumped. So welcome to the show, Angelica and Rachel. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much. We're happy to be here, too. So I've been loving following y'all on Instagram. For those of y'all listening, I will put their Instagram handle in the show notes so you can start following them. Um, and I can't wait for our listeners to learn more. But first, tell us a little bit about how y'all got into this line of work. Yeah, so I got into the Vedic wisdom with yoga. So the Vedas is ultimately a really science and there's so many different types of sciences like ayurveda and vedic astrology and so yeah i started with yoga as many do um i started with a very physical practice i loved how it felt in my body i grew up being a dancer so having that mind body connection was something i was really familiar with but kind of gotten away from as i got older and so yoga was the perfect medium for me and after college i went into fashion pr for a year and it just totally took a toll on my health. I felt really disconnected from my mind and body. And my favorite part of the day was going to my yoga class every mm -hmm. morning. And I remember one time in Shavasana, I was just laying there thinking like, oh my gosh, like if I could just be at this yoga studio all day, that'd be amazing. I just would like dream about it. Like being there, if I love my manager at the yoga studio. I was like, wow, like that was be like the best job ever. Everyone's so happy coming in. And it was totally different than my experience in fashion PR. So I just would like dream about that. And little did I know I was in the process of manifesting and getting like so specific and like feeling what that would be like. And that led me to quitting my job and becoming a full-time yoga instructor. And I just totally loved learning more about yogic philosophy. And I just constantly wanted to learn more in, in every single way. So um, I went on my yoga journey. I started leading teacher trainings and I started to realize that my physical health was not as great as it used to be. So I was experiencing IBS symptoms. I experienced amenorrhea, which is a lack of menses for at least three months. And I hadn't had my uh, menses for three years. And I wanted to find a holistic way of healing this. And so I kept coming across this name, Ayurveda, and I heard it in yoga teacher training because we learned about it briefly and the name still fascinated me. And so I picked up a book on it and I read about what the science entails and it just was like, whoa, this is exactly what I have been looking for. Kind of the answers to what I've been seeking to heal my IBS and amenorrhea. I knew it was kind of like, there has to be like one root cause for why it's here and like both were like in the same part of my body kind of like in the lower belly large intestine area i was like there's something here to this and it was like all my answers kind of answered in one so instead of kind of finding an ayurvedic practitioner i was like i want to learn this and i want to heal myself that was like my mentality so i found the ayurvedic college that i really connected with and i did my research and i became an ayurvedic health counselor and then eventually studying as an ayurvedic health specialist and um, this is actually fun because this is where Rachel and I's paths start to cross over. So I was teaching yoga full time and then I was studying to become an Ayurvedic health counselor. And I just started to do consultations. And in my yoga classes, I would talk about Ayurveda. And one day after class, Rachel came up to me and she's like, what were you talking about? Like, what is that name Ayurveda? Like, and she had that same curiosity and kind of fascination with it. 
And yeah, I'll kind of let Rachel take, because this is part of her story. So I'll let you take over from here. Awesome. Yes. So um, I, again, started in yoga and that's how I met Angelica. And I, the second I heard the name from her, cause I'd heard it before in yoga teacher training, but when she said it, something that was like, okay, I need to know more. And so I stalked her after class was like, okay, I want to know more about this. And it ended up that we went and had food and dinner to gather at Whole Foods. And she was telling me all about her experience and how she was using Ayurveda to help people heal. And it was funny because she thought I wanted to go to school. But at this time I was working through a lot of my own health challenges. And I was someone who had went through all of the fad diets. I became a holistic nutritionist. I became a yoga instructor. And like none of those things really worked for me long-term. They were amazing. And they were definitely points on my journey, but they weren't the thing that was eradicating the symptoms that I was trying really hard to alleviate. And so basically I had to ask her at the end. I'm like, can I, can I be your client? And she was like, oh yes, of course. So we started working together and this work was incredible. And not even that it worked so well with my body and the things that I specifically needed, but also just that it made so much sense. Like learning about Ayurveda and listening to how Ayurveda works. It felt like relearning something that I had already known before. So I was just so inspired by Angelica and by this work that if we fast forward a few months later, um, I was still working my corporate job, which I enjoyed, but wanted to do something on the side that was like to support people. So I started putting on this day retreat and the first person that came to mind is someone that could come and talk about something that would be beneficial after just the retreat itself. I was like, I must have Angelica here. So I called her. I was like, Hey, uh, will you come talk and teach you about Ayurveda? And she's like, for sure. Um, but it ended up that she did so much more than that. She ended up offering to help me plan the entire day. And we had so much fun doing it. And it was just so incredible to bring people together, to help them start to understand how they could learn how to find balance themselves through Ayurveda that we're like, wow, we should do more of this. And even though we both had our separate full-time job, full-time jobs at this time, we were like, okay, how can we make this into something that has longevity? How can we continue? So we did cooking classes, we did more retreats and eventually got to the place in our journey that we were so passionate about this, that we quit those jobs and created Soulful Veda to do this full-time and to have an even greater and bigger impact on people. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Where are y'all located again? So we met in Chicago. Chicago, um, but Angelica now lives in LA and Venice and, um, I still live here in Chicago. Awesome. So I live in Dallas right now, but I'm from Austin and there's an amazing Ayurvedic restaurant in Austin called Casa de Luz. If anybody, um, is going to Austin Ooh. soon or whenever y'all go to Austin, it's amazing. And also ah. I am getting ready to plan my first annual you do woo retreat. And so I might have to holler at y'all either to come in person or to do a zoom on and do like a cooking class or something. Cause I feel like that would be fun. Yeah. That'd be so fun. I didn't know Austin had an Ayurvedic cooking spot. So that's amazing. We'll have to come visit and try it out. It's really, really awesome. It's, and I don't know a whole lot about Ayurvedic cooking, but whenever I go there, just the atmosphere is really awesome. Like it's all very dark and they have like candlelit everything. And it's all like sort of cafeteria style. Like everybody gets the same, the same dish, mm. you know, and it's like family style seating and the windows are open and it's just beautiful. And you feel like so good. Like afterwards, you know how sometimes you go to a restaurant and you're like, you either feel stuffed afterwards or like 
just a little bit like, oh, that was a lot for me. I'm like a complete introvert. So just any like out to eat experience is a lot for me. But it was like so nourishing and calming and just wonderful. So that's the only Ayurvedic food um, experience I've had, but I, I loved it so much. So, okay. So I took y'all's dosha quiz this morning. I didn't know what dosha was before taking this. And I found out that I'm the pitta type. There's three types and I'm pitta. Tell me what this means, what dosha is, what, like all of the things, what does pitta mean? What does this tell me about myself, please? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you're a Pitta because Angelica and I have a lot of Pitta in us as well. So <laughs> a lot of similar in energies, but in order to talk first about the doshas, it's helpful to understand what Ayurveda is and like how it works. So Ayurveda, like Angelica said, is a sister science to yoga and it's, it's been around for a really long time. It's the world's oldest holistic health system. And even though it can be really complex, it can be very simple and intuitive and in how we understand it. And what Ayurveda helps us do is it understands what is actually the root of what's going on with you. So the way that we typically see things in the Western world is like, oh, I have this symptom. And can we tell based on the symptoms, what disease you have or what's going on? Ayurveda is a little bit different where it takes a look at everything that's going on physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It looks at the qualities and the energetics of those things. And then there's a plan that you can lay out that'll help you get back to that place of balance. And Ayurveda is fundamentally derived from nature. And what I mean by that is that the elements that you find in nature make up the doshas and, and you can understand the doshas and you can understand how you can heal yourself. So the five elements of nature are earth, water, fire, air, ether. And you're probably familiar with all of those, um, except maybe ether, which I like to think about as space or even like, um, connectivity, the space between things and the, what doshas do, where they help us categorize those elements as a way to understand them. So I'll go through all three of the doshas and the elements that are behind them. So I'll start with kapha and kapha is earth and water. And then we have Pitta, which is what three of us have the most of, which is fire and a little bit of water. And then we have our Vatas, uh, which are made up of air and ether. And dosha quizzes are super fun because we always love to understand more of our personality and our physicality and see who we are so we can get a better understanding of who we are and like what we're here to do in this world. And the doshas can help us do that. So there's a ton that we can dive into with each of the doshas, but I'll just keep it super high level of like how to know which dosha you are, which dosha you have the most of. And if you really want to know exact percentages, definitely recommend seeing an Ayurvedic counselor or practitioner or coach, and they can help you figure out your percentages, but this will give you an overview of the three different types and how we use different energies. So kafas, like I mentioned, they're made up of earth and water. And when you think about earth and water, you think about someone who's really grounding, they're earthy, they have this really nurturing quality to them. So physically, the way that you can tell if you're a kapha is um, you have, like, for example, in your hair, you would have maybe thick, long hair. You have a really wide smile on your face. You have um, a really soft feature. So smiling eyes, a broader bone structure. So you feel that earth and water within you physically. 
um, and your personality, you're someone who maybe really resonates with being a caretaker or a nurturer or your favorite thing or something that you derive a lot of purpose from is taking care of others. So it's a lot of that like motherly or maternal energy. When it comes to pittas, these people are made up of fire and a little bit of water. Um, and when you think about fire, you think about heat, transformation, even clarity in some regards. So if you talk about what that means, but people who have a lot of pitta within them, um, some of my favorite ways to tell if someone has a lot of pitta is by looking at their eyes. So oftentimes they have eyes that are deep set and they even have like this fire in their eyes. Um, their complexion tends to be more red, or maybe they have a little bit of gold or red in their hair. Um, and they tend to be like a really muscular type in their physicality. When it comes to their personality, uh, you can sense the fire through their passion, through their intensity. They love to be super competitive. Um, they could also be considered warm and friendly, but these people love to be like the leaders in life. So they love to take charge. Um, they love to have a plan and they love to be really strategic. That is <laughs> Yeah. You're like, yep, nailed it. <laughs> um, and then for our last type, we have vatas, which are made up of air and ether. And when you think about air or someone who's really ethereal, you think of them as being maybe really light, maybe dreamy, maybe they have vivid imagination, they're creative. Um, and the way that air and ether show up in the physical body is, are these people tend to be um, really light. So they have thinner bones, maybe they have thinner skin, thinner hair. Um, a really telltale sign is in their, their face. So they tend to have like long oblong or oval faces and then smaller overall features. And when you think about Avata's personality, these are the people who are super spontaneous. They're artistic. Um, if you think about like air is the wind, right? It's really variable. It kind of blows all over the place. They don't like to be tied down. They don't like to be nurturer. They like to have that freedom, that expansiveness. So I really like to think of these people as the creatives. Okay. I love that random question is it like what is the percentage do you feel like like is it are 50 percent of people pitta and then does that make sense like how or can we sort of change yeah that's a really good question so there's actually two parts to this the first one being that um there's two ways to understand the doshas so the first one and i like to talk about this in terms of astrology because i think a lot of people understand this um and even we could talk about it from it human design is kind of similar to this too, but when you're born, you get a unique percentage of all three of the doshas. And I love math. I like thinking of this as like a pie chart, right? So you have all three of the doshas within you. So for example, you could be 50% pitta and then maybe 25% vata, 25% kapha. And that will show up um, in your physicality in your physiology and in your personality. And even if someone has the exact same percentages as you, it's going to show up differently. And that's your unique percentage that we call your constitution or your property. And then over here, there's this thing that we use as practitioners, which is your dosha that's out of balance. And you can think of this as more of like a, a bar chart. So you have one that typically is more out of balance, and then you can have the other two that are out of balance as well. Um, but this is what people often identify with because this is what they, they know. Um, so even though I could be a pitta in my constitution, I could be experiencing a vata imbalance where maybe I'm feeling super anxious and I haven't been sleeping well and my skin is really dry and my nervous system is all over the place. So I could still be a pitta person, but be experiencing a vata imbalance. So as far as like the constitution goes, it's 
it's tough to tell with like what the percentages of all the people out in the world. Cause I think <laughs> we attract a certain amount of like a specific type of client. But what's funny is that in the imbalance realm, most of the imbalances that we get are Vata. So I'd say like 70 to 90% of the people that we see have some sort of Vata imbalance because just looking at the world that we live in, we have a lot of movement, whether it's in the mind or in the way that we're always going or a packed calendar. And so that's where the imbalances tend to stem from. And then those are the people who seek Ayurveda to help them get balance. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. And it's really, like I had never heard of that word. I mean, I've heard of the word ether, but like, I didn't know that that was part of Ayurvedic um, sciences. And it's so true. So I have like this free little five-day challenge that I walk people through that is called the decluttering course or the spring cleaning course. And part, a huge part of it is decluttering and making space, not just like in your physical area, like, yes, like cleaning out your closet or whatever, but like saying no to things, creating more free open time in your day or in your week or whatever. And that is the hardest thing for people is like saying no and creating like bits of time where there's zero commitments. And I just think that that's like a epidemic in our society right now of, of like people not knowing how to have open space. Is that, am I like on the same, on the same lane as y'all? Yeah, totally. And I think even just like having our phones and never having to be bored or sit with ourselves contributes so much to that because if we have any little bit, and I'm so guilty of this, but it's like, oh, even before this, this podcast, I was at my desk a few minutes early. And instead of just sitting here, I was like, oh, you know, I'll go check TikTok or I'll check my email again. And so our minds are constantly moving with thoughts or with distractions or whatever that we put into them. And that's such a different way than you think we even lived like 20 or 30 years ago. That's been such a shift in technology. And so you start to see the impact of that in the mind, but also in the body, because everything is connected in that way. So when you're working with people, with individuals who have uh, some one of their doshas out of balance, what are some tools that you use to help them get it back into balance? So it's kind of all about bringing in the law of opposites. Mm -hmm. So for example, when you understand that there are five elements and then all the doshas, really all you have to do is bring in the opposing elements or the opposing dosha to heal. So like, let's say you're experiencing a current imbalance, a vata imbalance, and it's mainly air and ether. That energy needs to be grounded and needs to be warmed because ether is cold. Um, and there is a whole template. We call this the intuitive template where you can really understand the qualities of each of the elements. So for example, ether is cold, it's rough, it's dry, it's light. And to combat all of that, because if we're experiencing too much dry skin, anxiety, all that stuff, we need to bring in earth to ground us, water to nourish our tissues, to bring moisture, and then fire to warm us up. Because oftentimes vatas experience a lot of that cold hands and feet and just true vatas are just like cold all the time. Um, so it's pretty simple and saying in, in that aspect. So I'm, I'll go through all of them. So if anyone attaches to one of the doshas, they can start intuitively doing this. So bringing in earth, water and fire, what would that look like? Well, grounding rituals, like you said, creating a, like a morning routine, 
finding some type of structure in your day and that fire element, maybe that comes in your food, maybe that's spicing your foods, especially during the fall time where we can tend to have more vata imbalances, bringing in cinnamon and clove and cardamom and all these wonderful warming spices can really help um, our systems. And then if you have a pitta imbalance, so fire and a little bit of water, when you have too much fire in your system, you have inflammation, you have heat, you have redness in the skin. So to combat that, the best elements to bring in would be more water for sure, so it can nourish and cool the body, um, but also earth element. And this is because this stabilizes the fire. So if we think of a fire that's like out of control and just going from one end to the next, you need some type of structure, you need to contain it. Um, so pittas can do well with a little bit of structure as well, more of that water element of more of that calm and that cool and that collective. So some of my favorite recommendations for a pitta is just to take a break in the middle of the day creating a pause because pittas tend to just work nonstop and having that time to just find that coolness in their mind is really important. And then for vatas who have, oh, I'm sorry, no, for kappas who have earth and water. And um, so they tend to get, when they're out of balance, maybe more depressed and lethargic. They can even have waking because they have too much of the earth element to them. So it's important to bring in the opposing elements like fire and air and ether so that fire it gets them moving moving again it gets them re-inspired so for um kappas it's actually really great for them to have any type of movement i think even daily movement is good just because they can tend to get in these phases of being kind of like stuck and in, in their own energy that's awesome sitting here taking notes then i'm like why am i taking notes i will be able to go back and listen to the recording <laughs> yeah. like making all this noise over here i hope it's not annoying for everybody listening okay very small quick question i've always heard that in ayurveda you drink like room temperature water is that a myth is or is there something to that tell me if i'm wrong or what that means yeah that is not a myth so in ayurveda a lot of the things it's all about digestion because digestion in is the first system of the body where imbalances start to occur. So digestion is considered king in Ayurveda. We always are healing digestion. And that is because if we have an imbalance, let's say we're having like heartburn or gas or bloating, if we don't heal that, it's going to distribute to a different system of the body and then cause an imbalance in that system of the body and just continue to branch out. So that's also why Ayurveda really wants to find the root cause of the problem um, because then it's it's like not going to just constantly be putting band-aids and all the symptoms. You're really finding the root so you can heal the whole imbalance and feel free in your body. So digestion is king and keeping in order to keep our digestion balanced, it's important to keep our Agni, which is also known as digestive fire, always stoked. So picture, picture your Agni as like a campfire log. You want that fire constantly burning. Now, if you put on too much campfire on there, then the fire will go crazy. Um, you need like just enough for like wood and everything for it to be constantly stoked. And so one of those ways that we do that is by bringing in warm water um, because that keeps the digestion working and warm and moist so a lot of people who have imbalances yeah the digestion tends to be off too even, even if they're not noticing it and one of the ways that you can bring your digestion into balance is um, warm lemon water every morning and that really helps to cleanse the system okay good to know and then one other small question before we move on to reiki because <laughs> i know that we've talked a lot about this but i keep asking all questions that pop in my head i when i was working on like 
on my trying to conceive journey, we had a little bit of trouble conceiving. I went to an acupuncturist um, and he had a little, he had a lot of Ayurvedic tips that he gave um, me as well. But I remember the, my first session with him, he was like, your liver is so hot. Like we need to cool down your liver. And obviously the acupuncture he did was directed at that. That was like the first thing he was like, you're never going to get pregnant with your liver being this hot. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this means, but whatever. But I, I'm guessing that's like a little bit of the Pitta energy there. And um, he, I think he, pers he, I had some like Chinese medicine, like some herbs and tea and stuff, but also he had me do dandelion root and buckhorn something. I don't know. Anyways, it was two, two like herbs that like cooled down my liver. And one thing that, that, that does is like usually people with hot livers, apparently whenever they have an emotion, it always like goes straight to anger instead like they override like sadness or fear or whatever and go straight to anger and that's like totally me does that is that like the same thing as having too much fire in your body yes exactly so pitta lives in the seat of the liver and so oftentimes um whenever we're trying to release heat in the body and especially with pitta it's always cleansing the liver so i was a burdock root Yes, burdock root. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, burdock root and dandelion root are so good for cleansing the liver because it kind of has a bitterness to it. Um, so yeah, Ayurveda even gives you their certain taste that you can heal your digestive system with. And for pittas, the best tastes are um, bitter, astringent, and sweet. And so yeah, that's like a whole nother discussion too. Yeah. But the bitter taste, um, you can get it definitely from burdock root and dandelion root. And it, what it helps to do is it strengthens the tissues of the body, that bitterness, but it also cools the system body, the system down. And as you were describing, like it happens on a physical standpoint and an emotional standpoint, like that's actually, um, it's an, we call it like an easy imbalance to heal because it's like all pitta, you know, sometimes people have dual doshas that are out of balance and then it kind of gets a little tricky. You kind of have to dance with it and coordinate with it, but it's actually easier when it's all just one dosha to heal emotionally and physically. So yeah, like those bitter tonics are really good for you. And then I would say like calming exercises, like taking that midday break, literally stopping and smelling the roses is perfect for pittas. I love taking nature walks and I will literally stop and smell the rose bushes. Um, that's like the kind of motif of it but you can take it from a literal sense too awesome i love it okay let's move on to reiki so i have if anybody's listening that lives in the dallas fort worth area i am looking for a reiki practitioner i have contacted a few and they all are still shut down from the pandemic so let me know if anybody knows anybody in dfw that that can do that um ever since i gave birth i've sort of been looking into getting some Reiki done because I had a semi, it's not as traumatic as a lot of people's births, but I had a hospital birth, which I will not be doing again. And it was just very, there's like funny story. Like once we were ready to push, I, the lady came in and was like, okay, I have you as a first time mom and another lady in the next room as a first time mom, whoever crowns first gets me. Like that's what the OB said. And she's like, so hurry up and push. And I was like, okay, F you. <laughs> My doula like looked over me and she was like, don't fucking listen to her. Like, just stop. Just don't listen to her. <laughs> but obviously, like I took that in and, th and that's where like, 
everything sort of got crazy. And I was like, there's just a lot of energy, I feel like, in my womb and pelvic area that's just stuck right now because of that whole situation. And I'm sure just anybody who give, gives birth has some extra stuff that could be have some Reiki done to it. But anyways, talk to me about Reiki. A lot of our listeners have like never even heard of this before. So tell us about what it is and how it can be useful for us. Yeah. And that's so interesting too, to talk about your pregnancy. Cause um, yeah, before I get into Reiki, like Ayurveda says that it, when we give birth also, there's like so much we can cleanse the womb space and there's actually an Ayurvedic ritual around this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Uttara Vasti. Um, and it's cleansing the womb space. And um, yeah, because there's so much that's being released. Technically, when we, after giving birth, we can have a vata imbalance because there's this empty space now in our belly. Um, so Ayurveda too has like rituals for for healing that. But Reiki can be a great way to clear that energetic space as well. So Reiki is an energetic healing system that originated in Japan. We can date back and say that it started kind of in the early 1900s, but um, similar to Ayurveda, how it's been around for over 5,000 plus years. um, I like to think of Reiki as that too, that we maybe um, back then they weren't able to write it down because it wasn't accepted as an actual practice um, and different religions and stuff back then were um, trying to prevent Reiki from coming into full fruition. But anyways, Reiki is an ancient healing technique. And throughout the years, it's really cool when we talk about the history of Reiki and our Reiki trainings, it goes through this evolution. So when it gets passed down from lineage from master teacher to master teacher, it actually always gets kind of finessed and a little bit a little bit differently because they start to channel that Reiki energy and do what is true for them. So it's actually beautiful in in my opinion to kind of see how Reiki has evolved throughout the years. So sometimes there's specific can Um, placements that can either be touching the body or not touching the body, just kind of hovering off that can heal specific ailments like lung disease or heart disease, kidney failure. And then some, um, some other Reiki healers will kind of just use their own experiences of meditating and um, maybe not using specific hand gestures, but using their own techniques that they channeled through them. So there is specific techniques for sure. And we always honor the lineage and the tradition in our trainings and teaching those. Um, but I always encourage our Reiki healers that once they have that experience um, to be able to use that energy healing for however way like it wants to express itself for them so what the reiki energy can do is it heals the energetic body so while reiki does not come from the chakra system that is the chakra system comes from the vedas when we talk about like yoga and ayurveda reiki it comes from the japanese lineage but when we're speaking just in terms of energy and all these things we can understand it similarly it can help to heal the chakras because you're healing the energetic body so that is a very unique way of how we do it at soulful is we really see that reiki can help to heal the chakras of the body so we love talking about the chakras and bringing that information to our future healers so that they understand how they can help to heal their their future clients with that and when you heal the energetic body you're also healing the physical body and the mental body because um, again this is another thing in ayurveda is that all disease first stems from a disconnect in spirit and the way that we like to see this is that 
imbalances can first happen in our auric field, in our energetic body. And when we neglect them, or we don't have that awareness that there's that imbalance that's happening, then it'll just start to come closer and closer and affect the mind and then the emotions. And then it'll affect the physical body. But if we can start to really heal the energetic body and keep that clear and clean on a regular basis, then we can also keep our mind and our bodies in balance as well. It's so funny because like one of my passions in interviewing people for this podcast is to just make some of this stuff more well-known, especially among mothers and everything. And I know that I have a friend who says that like everybody should get, every mother should learn how to do Reiki so that you can Mm -hmm. like clear and, and help your kids and all that kind of stuff, which, so I might be interested in taking y'all's Reiki, Reiki, Reiki session. But one of my main reasons for this is just to like start talking about all of these things. But the weird thing is, is that, you know, I hope that there's a shift, but I'm like, what if this all really became more mainstream, the pharmaceutical companies would go out of business. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> it would be like a yeah. whole major issue, which I'm totally fine with. But now I see, because everything's all about money. So it's like, now I see like what, why people think all of this stuff is like woo-woo and why people are like, ah, there's like this conditioning that's happening in the world where it's like, oh, no, no, no. This is like witchcraft. This is like, you know, not real, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, who's really behind this? trying to make us think these things the pharmaceutical government and the people that want us to be stay sick so that we can keep taking their money right (laughs) yeah and what's interesting about reiki too is yes you have like um the healer client relationship so someone who is working with your energetic body but one thing that i know angelica and i specifically are really passionate about too is making sure that people feel empowered after that session. So you're not just laying there soaking up the Reiki and it's like, okay, see you later. <laughs> it's a lot of it that we we work for is helping people to feel empowered and getting the messages that come through from their spirit or what comes through from us. So it's like, here's what we found while taking a look at your energetic body, here are the things in our awareness, and then empowering people that we work with to say, does this resonate with you? And if so, like, what can you do to change it? Cause awareness is the the first step in change. And once you know, like, you know, right. I, I have this block after having a baby, like that's the first step. And then the second step is figuring out, okay, what, what part of my behaviors or what caused this? And then the third thing is what can I do to change it? And so I think Reiki is a really awesome tool for that. Cause it's like, yes, you're playing, you're balancing the energetic body, but also it's giving you tools to then take action outside of that hour long session. Tell us about your, really quick, just tell us about your Reiki certification program and what that looks like. And I think that that's starting soon, correct? Yeah, that's starting actually early December and we lead Reiki one and two trainings. We also lead Reiki masters and we started doing them virtually over COVID. And I was like hesitant because I love in-person stuff and like I'm a tangible person. And it's been so lovely because we've been able to connect with people from all over the world that way. So our trainings have been online and virtual. And um, it also validated us that like this Reiki energy is real because we, in the first training that we had and then the ones to follow, we recognized that 
um, during the training, everyone would have like similar experiences and visions. So what happens in the Reiki training is that you get attuned to the Reiki energy and we all have the capacity to energy heal. Like if you not, like if you hurt your foot, no, your natural inclination is to want to like put your hand on your foot. That's because our hands are so powerful. And so when you get attuned to the Reiki energy, you have this Reiki energy that is now within you that you can now share with others. So when Reiki won certification, you learn the history of Reiki and you learn how to how, how to how the Reiki energy heals, how to work with it, and also you'll be able to start doing reiki on others and you can do reiki on yourself and their self-healing and reiki on your baby which is so beautiful because babies and pets they're so intuitive and they're so um sensitive to this type of energy that it's received so well like i love giving reiki to my cat and to younger kids and everything because they just it feels so good to them um so reiki one is like just dipping your toes in um majority of our people they do reiki one and two together as we lead the trainings together and in reiki two the difference is that you'll be able to start charging for your services if that is something you were interested in and you can do distance reiki so this is where it's really magical because um especially during our current times being able to do distance reiki it's just so necessary and essential to be doing it that way so you'll be able to learn how to yeah give reiki over distance you get reiki symbols um you learn all the different techniques and then something unique that we bring to it is learning about the chakra system because that has been so healing for us is learning how the chakras work and how that works with Reiki. So we do a really deep dive into the chakra system and healing our own because when we learn how to heal ourselves, that really opens us up to know how to heal others on such a deeper level. And um, we also love the esoterics of working with this because when you receive the Reiki energy, yes, now you have the power to heal others, but it opens up your psychic awareness. So we talk about there's four different types of psychic awareness. The basic forms of psychic awareness that you can receive are the four clairs. And we go into depth in what these clairs are, how each of us has these gifts and how we can expand our psychic awareness to receive these intuitive messages. That's something that can happen when you give Reiki energy. You may see colors, you may see symbols, and that can really help others on their journey. We have such crazy stories of helping clients um, and giving them intuitive messages that at first made no sense to us. And then we sent it to them and it just totally was that missing puzzle piece of their story and really helped them to grow on a spiritual level. I love that so much. Okay, I'm totally like diving into y'all's website once we are done recording this. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, okay, we don't have very much time yet, but I do want to y'all to each share really quickly about your human design types and when you found out about human design and what you are and what is like one top thing that has helped you in your daily life after you learned about your human design. So um, Rachel, if you want to go first, you're a four, six sacral MG, correct? Yes. Yeah. I first learned about human design. I had a reading from someone I met at an event. I think it was 2019 in the fall. And I had known nothing about it basically prior to this reading. So it was so much information, but just finding out that I was a manifesting generator was so aligned with me because I would definitely consider myself someone who's a jack of all trades. Like even from a young age, 
playing a lot of different sports, being interested in a lot of different things, like playing a bunch of instruments, like that's all been really true for me, but it, it always felt like I was good at a lot of things, but not great or amazing at one thing. And so I think the biggest freedom that being an MG has given to me is like permission to do that and to merge those things together when it feels right for me, but to not push it before it does. So being able to blend and even just at Soulful, for example, like we were just talking about Reiki and Ayurveda or building community where we learn about a lot of different things. Like that's super fun for me because all of those things make me passionate and it's really fun to bring them together or bring them together to a group of people and let them learn those things at the same time that I'm lit up and learning about those things. I love it too, because I feel like the most powerful and successful like partnership businesses are ones where there's a projector and then a generator or MG because like Angelica's a one, three cell projected projector. And I'll let you chat a little bit about that too, Angelica, but like projectors like do really well when they have the energy of a generator MG working with them. And then MGs get a lot of like guidance and the higher view from the projector. So I love that so much. Angelica, what about you? Yeah, I love hearing and learning about being a projector. I think there, yeah, there's so many other elements cause we've gotten so deep, but just from hearing like being a projector, it's what's helpful and knowing that like, I do like to master things and it doesn't mean like I do get obsessed with things, um, but it's like a healthy obsession. Like everything that I dove into, it wasn't, it was done because I truly desired it. So learning about the Vedas, like I love to, I love to dive deep into that and I'll always be learning more. So I learned about yoga and Ayurveda and now I'm studying Vedic astrology. So constantly always learning, which I guess also goes into my profile of being a one. Um, But it's been, it's been really helpful to see and know that I can have that clear vision and kind of the overall idea of ideas for soulful so a lot of times how rachel and i work is i will have like an idea an inspiration or a download that'll come through and then i'll run it by her and i kind of see like how it works in her engine like if she's lit up by it i know right away because she gets excited and she's like oh my god i can create all these things and then her ideas start spinning with it and then she brings it into actual fruition which is such a beautiful process and then i know if it's like okay she's not like totally lit up by it, then I need to like investigate more and be like, okay, like there, maybe there's another piece to it that I haven't found yet. Or maybe I just need to let this one simmer until it's time for to come into full fruition. So that's been like really fun and kind of like the main way that Rachel and I bounce off each other. I love that so much. That's so cool. Man, I'm surprised that I got through all my questions and that we fit (laughs) all of this information into this episode. We covered a lot of things. So thank y'all for answering all my questions and hanging in there and giving us like, I know y'all charge for a lot of this information normally. So I just really appreciate you gifting all of this valuable info to our listeners. Um, How can our listeners connect with you and what services do y'all provide? So the best place that we're most active is Instagram and it's at soulful Veda. So that's S-O-U-L-F-U-L-L-V-E-D-A. And we put so much out there on all of the upcoming trainings and courses we have. The one that's most recent by the time this episode comes out is the Reiki training Angelica mentioned. And um, if you're 
totally new to all of this, I recommend playing around with the quizzes and know that there's so much more that you can get into that's above and beyond the quiz, but that's a really fun way to start just to connect with the wisdom of Ayurveda, the doshas. We have a chakra quiz if you want to start to dive into the chakras, but social media and Instagram is the best place to stay connected. And you should DM us. Let us know that you found us through this podcast and we answer, we try to every single DM and we love meeting people that way. So um, we'd love to meet you and know more about you there too. Yay. Thank you so much. And I'll put all of that info in the show notes. So those of y'all listening, you can scroll down and click the link to go straight to their Instagram or their website. And if you're loving this episode, please share it with a couple of friends that enjoy a little bit of woo in their life um, or screenshot it and tag both of us. You do woo and soulful data on Instagram and just DM both of us and let us know how you liked the episode. I appreciate it so much. And Angelica and Rachel, thank you so much for taking time out of your full life lives to join us on the You Do Woo podcast. I know this is such a fun episode and our listeners are going to love it. I appreciate y'all. Oh, thank you so much for having us. You're just so fun from when we just like met over our direct messages. You're like, oh, we're so excited for this podcast. And I love everything that you're creating with human design and teaching in a way that's really accessible for all. So thank you. Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of You Do Woo. I know that you already have a very full life and that there are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to. So I'm super grateful to you for being a loyal listener. And I'm so grateful for you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family members. That is how we are able to serve more people and raise the collective consciousness and really get the word out on a bunch of these fun spiritual topics that we're talking about. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at you do woo, all one word. I'd love to hear how you loved today's episode and just a little bit about you. I can't wait to connect. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.